Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. No one realizes how difficult those cars are to drive, do they? Um, they are I do. properly technical things to drive. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Collecting Addict podcast, episode number 28. I'm looking very bronze because I've been in Ibiza. Well, hey, party, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sitting in a BMW M2 in a car park in Bala, North Wales, because I walked into a hotel and asked if they had a room for two hours with good internet. And they didn't let me in. So here we are this week. First of all, we're going to discuss the F1 at the weekend. The Hungaro Ring, which is known for no overtaking and being a circuit at which Lewis Hamilton has dominated for a long, long time. Chris Cooper, tell me what you thought of the race. Well, um, it reminded me, given the total domination of Red Bull, of a quote that I first heard when I was very, very young. Uh, now the whole world knows um, because of the Oppenheimer film. And the quote goes like this, we knew the world would not be the same. A few people laughed, a few people cried, most people were silent. I remembered the line from Hindu scripture, the Bhagavad Gita. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. Yakidar Bala. Of course, the quote everyone now knows from Robert Oppenheimer, but I like to think that earlier in the year, those are the words of Adrian Newey, when he saw the performance of the RB19. I mean, it's just, it's a killing machine. It's an absolute killing machine. So this weekend, they broke the record of most consecutive wins, which the MP44 had held from 1988, which would probably would have won all 15, 16 of the 16 races that year if it hadn't been for Jean-Louis Schlesser tripping up center in the first corner at Monza. Um, what do you do? I was taught, as ever, I talked to my boys about it, and Vinny said, what you got to do, Dad, is get some post-it notes and just draw a strip on the top of the screen where it says one on the timing screen on the left-hand side and one down it and just where it says two and three, redraw one, two and three. Then it's quite interesting to watch. So, yeah, despite everything, max one by 30 plus seconds, all we can hope for is that at some point it overturns. What else did I take from it? I mean, because it is just... Chris, just one thing. Um, 
Morris Hamilton posted something, I can't remember which two years, but um, if you go over consecutive years, Ferrari, I think it's either 51, 52, 53, 54, something like that, had 14 on the trot, apparently. Oh, did they? Apparently. Oh, then I feel so much better about this season's Formula One. It's the same. <laughs> so um, we all saw Lando breaking 40,000 euros worth of Max's trophy um, in his latest attempt to get the cork out of a champagne bottle which I don't think Lewis is still perfected. So, yeah, it was a bit... And Perez got driver of the day, which I thought reflected a concerted social media campaign on behalf of his team or his camp, whatever, to hang on to his job. Because as it turned out, I think Danny Rick sort of did a good enough job to justify why he was in the sport. Just. Um, but, yeah, it was a bit, bit turgid as a race. Manish? Yeah, <clears throat> we just do this every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was Yeah. You text right, halfway uh, through the race asking, is this boring? <clears throat> well, look, I, 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 too have, I too have two quotes, and they're both from Lando Norris, and I think these are great. Um, I know Lewis complains a lot about of how amazing our car is and how bad the Mercedes is, but they don't have a bad car. That's Lando Norris number one, which I thought was quite good. And the other one is try racing in 19th and 20, 20th. He's brackets. Lewis has never done that in his life. So that's the only thing that Lewis hasn't done in Formula One. And I think um I yeah, yeah. I I'm just gonna the the Neil Clifford glass half full size of me side of me is um absolutely thrilled for mclaren um we all felt after silverstone you know low downforce circuit completely different um weather blah 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 blah, blah that maybe that was a lovely one-off and you know hungaroring couldn't be more different to silverstone and maybe that mclaren is therefore for real and wouldn't that just be a wonderful wonderful yeah. thing and I am metaphorically doing exactly um, what Chris has said, which is I'm putting a post-it over the team that can't be mentioned and just talk about the rest. And you're right, Daniel Ricciardo, he did enough. I mean, what I would like to end with, though, is, um, is Ferrari. I mean, they are in a hole. Yeah. yeah big it's just, I, I wrote down again, this is what, um, there's a quote here from Charles Leclerc. And uh, it's it's just it's just really depressing. This is what Charles said. He said, "I cannot smile after the race today. Whenever we do a good job, no one notices. Whenever we do a bad job, everyone notices. We were too far off the guys at the front." Yep. That sounds like the that sounds like the the, glo the global PR message for Pirelli Motorsport to me in Formula One. That does. But, but I mean, whenever I something goes. <laughs> You know, no, I, I agree, but I just, you know, this team last won a world championship in 2007, the year that Lewis came into Formula One. Lewis has been at the Hungaro ring 17 times. Yeah. You know, so his, so his eight wins and nine pole positions, you know, um, you divide them by two, you get a kind of center number. And th that that's what I mean. I just think that there's just something that feels very stuck right now to me about all of this it all just feels very very stuck we're having in a way the same conversation now 
every week. And we're all, you know, kind of holding on to some kind of, well, what's the next magic bullet? Is it, um, is it 2026? We're going to keep doing this for another two years. It's at this point that the constant noise generators of social media for these teams, I think, become a real hindrance for them because at the beginning of the season, Ferrari was all on its toes, bouncing about. Every five seconds, there was a photograph of Carlos looking beautiful uh, and, uh, and Leclerc doing the same thing. And now they don't have a message. They need some silence. They need to shut the fuck up and try and get on and do it. But what they've created, they've started noise. They have to continue with it. And it's at the end of this race, it's the same message. We will dig deep as a team. We're going to get to, you know, it's just... It's it's just nonsense, yeah. really. They should they, they they should have they should have the chance to just press mute and go back and try and fix what they need to fix. It's really I just feel very sorry for think, them on that front. Is that is that doable in modern Formula One? I mean, I also I don't know if you watch a Sky coverage. They had um, they had children, quite a few children, and uh, you know, pretty precocious. Looked like pretty precocious drama school lot. I mean, they were unbelievably oh, eloquent. Sorry, they knew everything. That. And they were just boom, boom, boom. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my days, you know. Um, children might turn this on, kind of watch it, and then go, ooh, the children are much, much better than the racing, basically. You know, it's that, it's, that, it's, that, it's that show that we used to watch on a Saturday morning when we were kids, where the interstitial bits were so much better than the cartoons and the crappy half an hour, you know, kind of reruns. There was just... Why, like, why don't you... Just switch off the TV and do something less boring instead. There you go. Yeah, that was those were the summers. Oh, that was now, great. Now, Neil Clifford. Now, Neil Clifford. Did you yeah. think it was a waste of time, and did you want your money back? Well, I only watched it because the cricket was rained off. Yeah. Because we'd all been watching the cricket, wouldn't we? Really? Yeah, but, of course. Of course. Apart from the fact, yeah, it was great. I mean, Lewis did pull out a mega lap, didn't he, to get on pole? I mean, that was that was quite cool. Yeah, and we no, it was a special lap. Yeah, we have to celebrate Adrian Newey, don't we? I mean, yep. he's a bloody genius. He didn't design that. Um, no, I think that was that was Gordon Murray. One who designed the first the, the car he's just beat to to win the, the most. MP four four. That's the subject of some debate. It is. Yeah. Yeah. We're not. We're, we're not. We're not going there. <laughs> that's yeah, uh, that's uh, another one altogether. Stevie Nichols. But you know. <laughs> okay. Did, shots fired. But what did you know, Williams? McLaren, Red Bull. I mean, he is a proper hero of the United Kingdom, isn't he? Even, yeah, the, you know, you've got to say Max is good because, you know, Checo's nowhere near him, is he? So Max is obviously brilliant. Adrian is a genius, once in a generation genius. Yeah. And good on, good on McLaren. Oh, Neil, we can't hear you. Oh, hold on. I, I, I can hear him. Oh, yeah, no, we've lost everyone. Are you were all there. Oh, I think that's, that's you, that's Edward. That's you, that's Johnny. Oh, our cunning plan has worked. Oh, we've cut uh, him off. Lads, lads, it's worked. It's worked. It's worked. And um, oh, I think he's back in the room. Good on Lando. Yeah, good on McLaren. Yeah, bloody I've got, good. I, I got, I got a couple of observations from, from this. What one? Um, I, I'm a Perez defender because I, I'm not sure that the way it works at Red Bull necessarily helps him. And I think he's under immense pressure and they don't really seem to support him at times. I mean, if you've got your ultimate boss, it's just to stand behind you with a large scythe wearing a black cape. It's yeah. not really a very helpful situation. Oh, don't do softy, softy shit but, again. 
It's no, not no, softly, no, no, softly no, no. shit. I don't know. Neil, you can't be all cuddly and Mr. Nice and suddenly become all Mr. Nasty now. No, but there so, is so, one. Let me let me finish my point. My point is this: in all in all in all the other dominant in all the other dominant areas we've talked about, whether it's Mercedes before or at McLaren in 88, 89, we had two te- at the very least you had two teammates teeing off against each other as a spectacle. You know, if there was a dominant car, there were two yeah. fuckers that could really really get the best out of it. And we don't even have that this year. We've just got one bloke that runs into the distance. We've never had that to quite the same degree before, I don't think. And it do, it just doesn't make for a great spectacle for me. And and the most the most gratifying thing is that when I was looking at, and I, and the media's working this out, they're responding to it. Beginning at, you know at the beginning of the summer, F one was was doing quite well in the broadsheets. They're slightly giving up on it. You know, there's yeah, yeah. the the cricket sure. the cricket is making front page of the Times app. Formula One's no, no one's bothered with it. Lewis gets yeah. polled because we're British, maybe. But you know, they've got to watch out. It's people are are switching off. I think it's just. It's just processional. Put Lando, well, I, 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 I think put Lando in the second the... seat of the Red Bull. Well, that's a really interesting question. That is a really interesting question. And I discussed that over the weekend with a few people. Um, um, just, again, as I've discussed it with my boys, I said, if you were Lando, would you, and Helmut called and said, fancy a go, what would you do? And there's an awful lot for him to I mean... Perhaps now, when you can see the promised land, you might say, "No, I think I'm I'm happy here, thanks." That's a viper pit over there. But you know, if somebody of a Lando or even a George, um, the other character, um, Ollie Beerman, who's um, in F2, some of you may know who he is. Uh, British driver, very good, very very good. Um, it's his debut season F2 this year. I hear a number of whispers about maybe he's going to get a seat next year. Others will maybe clarify that. But you'd say to Lando, go for it. Worth a go. Give it a go. I mean, they are mates. I mean, that's not going to last very long, really, because it never does. Because it is, you know, the first person you want to beat is your teammate. You can see the tension a bit between Lando and between George and Lewis now as well. Um, the, The Red Bull thing with Perez, I guess, Neil, we may never agree on this. I guess our view is, I think Monkey, you and I see it similarly, is um, it may be that Perez just isn't good enough to be a second driver, in which case they've got more data than we have. The bit that I guess we find frustrating is it feels like there's a culture there, particularly from Helmet, which is the moment they sort of do something disappointing, it's immediately, oh, well, of course, you know, that part has failed. I need to find another part to put into that place where the part has failed. <laughs> and if you're the part that looks like it's briefly failed, then it's hardly likely to improve your performance. Um, but but I'll, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate to that with Lando. Hel- Helmut Marco is, is, is clearly very, very, very good at what he does. But he's never, ever been able to praise two of his drivers at one time. There's always a hero and a villain. Yeah. That's the friction he creates. Correct. So, so if Lando was to go there, he'd have to guarantee that he would dethrone Max. Otherwise, he'd, to. Yeah, he'd yeah. be in the bin as well. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying the right thing to do. I've never yeah. heard, heard Helmut Marko go, yeah, both my drivers are brilliant. Just doesn't. Mm-hmm. When Vettel no. was there, Mark Webber was, was the wrong. And, you know, everyone, if you're, not, if you're not the chosen one, you're in the bin or you're, waiting, you're standing next to the bin with the lid flapping, thinking, shit, I'm going in there. <laughs> That's me, that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe can we just, um, the, 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 the other teeny talking point was just both the Alpines in the kitty litter, basically at turn, what was it, three? 
Turn it was one. Just, turn one. It was turn one. Sorry, yes, turn one. Yes, it was Guanju. That was a shame. It, it was just default, what a shame. And that's yeah. turned into an absolute. Um, you know that the narrative around that team is turning into. Well, it's entertaining that Rossi, who was the guy who put poor old Otmar on standby earlier on in the year to say. I'm very disappointed with the forms of everybody here. It's Rossi who's now been sidelined, and Otmar must be chuckling into his pudding. What's the next race? Spa, big uh, one. Yeah. Before the break, rather than after the break. So, Pray for rain. Pray for rain. Bucket it down, yeah. Is the, is the, but even if it rains, we're all just thinking... How by how much will Max win? It's, it's really strange. Don't forget, last it, year, it, that was his most dominant win by a long way. Spa. Yeah. He absolutely nailed it. He, he, he was 33 seconds up the road two days, yesterday. Yeah. 33 seconds in a, in a race where just couldn't quite get it right. I've read 15 accounts of this in qualifying. And he was 33 seconds up, but the car was just working perfectly. And so was he. He's mm. going to be gone in Spa. He is just going to be gone in Spa. Can, you, Can I just say one, just one other point from the weekend in Hungary, uh, Porsche Supercup race, uh, Harry King, British driver, yeah. won Supercup. So he won at Monaco. Uh, he got chucked off the podium at Austria, which I thought was a bit harsh, and got pole-axed by Boccalacci at Silverstone, when he could have been. So he's not quite leading championship, but he's clearly the class driver. Um, so, yeah, well done, Harry. Best of luck in Belgium. No one realizes how difficult those cars are to drive, do they? Um, they are I do. properly technical things to drive. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. here we go. Uh, we're moving on. Especially ever, in something... Crocs, Neil. <laughs> yeah. We're moving on to uh, a very important issue. Uh, and it's, it's something that I can't say with a straight face because I have uh, lampooned it in columns before. And that is... What is the most adorable steering field? Adorable. The proviso here is that you actually. The, 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 the proviso here is that you can actually believe in the concept of steering feel in a modern car. Um, but uh, let's, because it was Neil, I think, that proposed it. Let's get Neil to answer it first. Well, I'm not going modern car. I've got, I've got one if you want it, but I'm keeping clean on one recommendation here: the Porsche three five six. Okay. I yeah, I, I've. I, I just. You know, not as if I've got, I, I can articulate why it's so much better than a Pagoda or a Ferrari Daytona or whatever, but it is just beautiful as a classic car. You feel 100% connected to the road. You can feel every bump. Um, you've got to be careful because those things do go round a bit further than you want them to if you get it wrong. They feel like... They feel quite a dangerous car if you're going a bit too fast into a corner. We we all have to read Dennis Jenkinson's book on the 356 to get that. And he writes a whole book about it. I still don't understand it. But the big steering wheel, the lightness of touch, the fact that this car is so light anyway, so you, you feel like you're driving a glider on the road. And it's just a wonderful thing to enjoy on a Sunday afternoon. I would love it. Most adorable steering field. Well, obviously, Neil clearly wrote this because I don't think anyone else would put adorable in there, but uh, adorable in 356 probably goes to uh, pretty well. I I've written down two, and they're, they are more modern, but they're not completely modern. So a 997.2 GT3. Yeah. 
Um, I'm not not sure the word is adorable, but in terms of steering feel, connection to the road, correct weight. And then I've also put a Lotus Elise, which I'll put that to just an original Series 1 Elise. Super light, direct, um, very easy. That would be that would be my choice. My father was trying to say uh, last night, Neil, as I posed the questions to him. He was like, "Bristol, it's a Bristol. That's that's the one." I I sort of knew he'd say that. <laughs> Good man. I know he likes Bristols. I also asked him about one it's of the next questions. To, to, to which he bought me this in an encyclopedia from 1885 to 1968. What's your favorite steering feel car? So bizarrely, I wrote here series one Elise. I have actually done a mix one. It's just the most beautiful feel, but can I say the most adorable steering feel I've ever had was playing Jeff Crammon's Grand Prix 4 with a proper Momo steering wheel with a paddle shift. Doing a very quick lap when you're absolutely shit-faced at two in the morning on a Friday okay, against a bunch of people. And you know, every nook and cranny of Monaco with that lovely, perfectly sized thing going boop, 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 boop. And I had a, I had a sort of change down from six to first with the yellow button with my thumb. That was actually... I mean, I, you know, pissed out of my mind, though I may have been. That was definitely the most adorable steering <laughs> feel. <laughs> you see, there's something for everyone here, a bit of simulator yeah. work. Um, uh, Chris Cooper. So I loved, I adore the word adorable. Great word. Um, I'm going to be really predictable. Uh, it's got to be a case from seven. It's interesting. Oh, number two on my list. Number two on my list. Good man. Um, It's interesting. Adorable steering feel is not the same as handling. When I first drove the Mark I Elise, I was ever so slightly, because I had a catering at the time, when they first came out, and I went down to the Bell and Colville sales office in just outside Guildford, really excited. And I actually drove down a catering. I said to Tesman, look, I've got one of those. You used to sell donkeys years ago. Let's try the new one. I was a bit disappointed. It felt quite understeery. Felt a bit too low geared for me. Um, didn't necessarily give me a huge amount of confidence, even though there was, there was lots in it. In confidence, Caterham Seven steering is just it's unassisted. Um, it just the steering wheel's in the right place. It's just you just know everything. It gives you confidence, and whether you're pootling to the shops or absolutely extracting the last bit of performance. On a hot lap at Spa, um, yeah. I, I mean, it's really boring, particularly. It's a bit like the what's the answer to every question of Porsche 911 or an E39 M5. Anything to do with steering, pedals, driving position, feel. Cage from seven. I don't think I was talking fast enough when I owned the cage from because I thought it was a bit heavy. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think the, I think the a bit heavy. Caterham, Caterham steering is 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 very direct as well, and I I quite like steering is, you know, with a bigger wheel. Like I think I get more from steering, more enjoyment. Um, so I'm gonna and I'm gonna I'm gonna be an absolute nerd here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna mention two cars that have been mentioned before, but I'm gonna choose different variants. 
because I'm a road testing nerd that did too much of this. So there is a 911 GT3 in here, but it's not the 997 by any stretch. It's the 996.2 that has the best steering by a country mile. If we drove them back to back, Mr. Lovett would agree with me. It also confirms that the steering wheel has a big, big impact on steering feel. And the 997 was the first 911 to have a thicker steering wheel that was, that was Alcantara. What you need is a thinner steering wheel with a harder rim, and the 996.2 has that, and the steering feel in that car is drive one down the road. In fact, any 996 Gen 2 has the best power-assisted steering feel of any car I've driven. It's absolutely remarkable. And if I was allowed a second, because I'm like Chris Cooper, I get to answer a different question to the one that's asked. I will... Um, it's not the Series 1 Elise, lads. It's the Series 2 Elise, which doesn't look as good. Oh. But they did a lot of work. On, they did a lot of work on the Series 2 Elise. They put a different tyre on it, did a lot with the rear suspension because, as we all know, rear suspension has a massive impact on steering. Don't ask me why, but it just does. Um, and the car steered, it, there was a lot more freedom to the steering. It didn't feel as there was much stiction in it. Yeah. And also, it was a car that when it went sideways, you could catch it in a series yeah. one at least. If you tried to catch really it, really hard, like I did, like I didn't once, you end up with a messy looking Lotus Elise. Um, yeah, that so can be, come back to the, uh, the episode of Edward Lovett crashes cars. I didn't catch it at Castle Coombe in a Series 1 at least. <laughs> but luckily, the Armco did catch me. Oh, well, all's well then. Jesus Christ. Um, okay, um, car brands uh, that most people have never heard of. I'm going to go straight to Manish here, um, whilst I do my research so I can find an answer, because I've not done any yet. Manish, off you go. Do you want to use my motor car encyclopedia here from uh, yes, 1885? Can you put it up against the screen, please? <laughs> I... <laughs> oh, I love that. Uh, Manish, go on. No, really, this was so Googleable. I actually just picked the first three that I, I just, I love the sounds of these. Neo Xpeng Iways. That's you, it. I'm going with those. You, three. Just, you just go to you just go to China, don't you? I mean, there must right, be a hundred car companies I mean, I, over there who've never never bloody heard of. I could have listed a million, but the um the one that I had heard of that I probably shouldn't have heard of, and uh, that possibly other people haven't heard of. Um, I heard of when I was 14 when I bought Duran Duran's album Duran Duran. And on the cover of that, you know, these boys are wearing their mum's blouses and wearing various chiffon scarves. That was the first album. Yeah, the first album. It's got Planet Earth, that's the first track. Yeah. Um, or it could have been Girls on Film, I can't remember. It's been 40 years. But um, the the they had a Delahaye De oh, on nice. the album. Oh, nice, yeah. It's so beautiful. I was having a look yeah. at the Roadsters, and I think if you don't know what a Delahaye Roadster is, Go and look at these. Beautiful. Just, beautiful. I, I, I did that. I did that kind of, you know, we all do it. The little research for this, the wiki hole that then leads to the more specialist hole that leads to the even more specialist. We don't talk about that in public, that particular. I was going to send, so I Googled uh, um, rare car names and the wiki page that comes up for that is brilliant because they've got the cars from each country that are either still in production and now out of production. And the list of some of those cars, are, there's wonderful names in there. No, it's just, it's absolutely beautiful. These, I, I would, I'll tell you what, if we ever manage, and by the way, there are 16 four, five, sixes available in the UK now, still only one bloody manual. Um, but if I ever get my hands on this um, four, five, six mythical unicorn, 
I am going to save up or sell everything I own to get a really beautiful Delahaye Roadster. I, it, these things aren't, right. I, I'm just going to put it in my living room. I'm going to just polish it every day and just walk around it a lot. It's child so beautiful. It sounds like you need to book your ticket to uh, Pebble Beach and go and yeah. see the Concours because it, the, the best pre-war cars are there. I'm, I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming. Coming. This is now becoming a backlog, Manish. <laughs> of two cars. <laughs> That's triple um, total consumption. Chris Cooper. Um, so I'm going to preface this with a little story about Douglas Bader. Ah. So a few years ago, this, this story is often printed in the papers when it's the anniversary of his death or his birthday. So Douglas Bader, everyone knows who he is, the um, de-limbed World War II fighter pilot ace uh, who flew from West Hampnett, Goodwood, as now is in Tangmere, down in Sussex. So he was famously invited to a probably a very posh girls' school sometime, I guess, in the 60s or 70s. And he was, um, the headmistress introduced him to all the Bright young things said, Squadron Leader Bar is going to tell you ladies about his time as a fighter pilot in the war. <laughs> he got on there and he's not a man of today's. Anyway, so he <laughs> said, so he told a story about his war. He said, I was in the sky above Sussex and there were fockers to the left of me and fockers behind me and fockers all around. And he kept on describing this way. And the headmistress said at one point, I think Squadron Leader Barler is referring to the fact that many of these Germans were in Fokker Waltz. And he said, that may be as it is, dear lady, but some of these Fokkers were in Measuresmiths, <laughs> which tells us and reminded me that Measuresmith, Heinkel and BMW all make cars. Yes. And they made them in the 40s, well, probably 50s until the early 60s, when I hadn't realized West Germany only joined NATO in 56. You're thinking of straight away. And before West Germany had its economic revival, tricycle or scooter cars were the thing. BMW 300, the BMW Zeta 300 is a lovely thing. So Heinkel, BMW and Messerschmitt all made cars. Are they all yeah. micro cars? The Messerschmitt was a Effectively micro cars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sort of two at the front. Some of them had one of the, it was a BMW Zeta 600. That was a slightly slightly longer one, yeah. Yeah, it looks the, the the mesh the Messerschmitt was the best looking of the microphone. It was, and it looked, um, it looked like a uh, a cockpit of an aircraft. Yeah, it was a, there was a Barchetta version, if you can call it that, of the Messerschmitt made, and it literally was. It looked like it had driven under a very very low bridge, so it was like chopped off at the top of the scuttle, with like a pilot's yoke sort of thing. Um, so I think we should remember and celebrate that all those aircraft companies made fantastic cars. I saw somewhere else in the same wiki hole that Manish went down. There are 500 defunct car companies that have made cars in the UK. Yeah, the, the UK is that was the biggest, Extraordinary. Uh, the manufacturer yeah. in the back in the day, yeah. Yeah, my last point on this is, because the one I actually sort of stuck in my mind is Jowett. So Jowett made yes. cars from the early 20th century to about 1956. And they stick in my mind because a few years ago, I met somebody who was chairman of the Jowett Javelin Owners Club. <laughs> yeah. And when I met him, it made me think, and I've met a few of these people, um, and I mean this with great affection and love and respect. When you say this, when you say when you say these people, Chris, what do you mean? I mean enthusiasts for marks from our bygone years, Chris. Oh, wonderful. 
Was that a um, large they owner's all, club? They, they sort of all end up looking like the cars they're curating. And this, bloke, this bloke who looked after the Jarrett Javelin, he looked in a kindly way, like a, a bit like a Jarrett Javelin himself. And, you know, and the Jarrett Javelin, if you can imagine the car that would have been in Thomas the Tank Engine, but a friendly oh. car, not a car driven by the fat controller. No, he yeah. would not have driven a Jarrett Javelin. So a Jarrett Javelin is so, I think, the fact that there are in our eccentric country people who are preserving the memory, I think, is great. Jarrett Javelin. Uh, Neil Clifford. So a guy called John Gordon. Oh, I know where you're going with this. Gordon. I had that Jim on my list. Cable yes. got together and built a car factory in Eastleigh. Yeah. Fucking Eastleigh. Brilliant. <laughs> and they recruited a very young designer. At Bertoni, Gisario, the first car that was designed by Gisario was called a Gordon Keeble. And you know what? These things are gorgeous. If Ferrari had made it, it would yeah. be worth five million pounds. Right, I know. They only made 99 of them, so it's rarer than a McLaren F1. It's got a Chevrolet 327. It's manual, most importantly. So it makes, it sort of pisses over Bristol, really, in that era of the 409 and the 410, the 411, even though I'm a much, I'm a big Bristol fan, they would be so much cooler if they were manual. So you've got this beautiful Italian Gisario body, in brackets, made of fiberglass. Um, you've got this incredible 300 horsepower Chevrolet engine, 140 miles an hour, not 60 in six seconds. Um, Ferrari 250 rear lights. Yeah, it's a bit Ferrari 250-ish, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. Better, better looking, actually. I agree, at the front, definitely. Um, the first electric windows almost in any car. Um, doorbells for light switches are so British. Um, and they were all tested on the old Roman road between Winchester and Stockbridge at 140 miles an hour. Founded in Slough. Just fantastic. It was yeah. it was a bit more expensive than an E-Type, but, you know, half the price of most other things, about three grand new. I think the company went bust two or three times. Started in 1960. If you look at that car as a 1960 car, it's something that you could turn up in Saint-Tropez and as Steve McQueen and stand out. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's got a tortoise as a badge. <laughs> How amazing is that? Cool so is that? Tortoise, because when they were doing the when they were doing the press photo, a tortoise came into the photograph. So they thought that was ironic and used that. I wonder where I got all that research from. Oh. <laughs> Neil, I've just pulled it up. It's got those, it's got the um beautiful Rolls Royce that I like, the Chinese eyes. It's got yeah, but if you see one in real life, beautiful. it's actually gorgeous. Yeah. Well, it is, yeah. yeah. Do you That's think it is a question? Was it because it was glass fiber that because it must have it must have died in the seventy three oil crisis or somewhere around about then sixty nine I think sixty four to sixty seven they were built so yeah. so here's a question for you Gordon Keeble or Fasel Vega because I always think of them as being quite similar cars yeah, yeah. I, I don't a big, Keeble. yeah it's not I don't really like France <laughs> <laughs> you've you've got to use it to get to Italy though. <laughs> Only if you're driving. Um, I take either Edward. of those. 
Edward, so, it, it sounds like you might have to have thought of a new example. Quite well, luckily I did. So obviously 500 <laughs> defunct uh, British car manufacturers and Neil does exactly the same research as me. <laughs> I didn't need a book, though. Uh, um, so actually, it, I actually came up with this topic because we sold a car on collecting cars the other night and I looked at it and it was no reserve and it was quite inexpensive. And I thought, that's an interesting looking thing. And I've never heard of one of those. And it was a bitter SC. Oh, yeah. We sold. Oh, Everyone's heard of that. I haven't. I haven't. So, that, you know, they, and funny enough, they're actually still top trumps. Um, they're still making cars now uh, for China and things like that. Opal underpinnings, uh, weren't they? Different guises. But bitter. the Bitter SC was built on a um, an Opal Senator. So yeah. it wasn't that interesting. But we sold it for 10,250 quid. And, you know, I think they made 400 of them. But it was a it was a really interesting looking car. Yeah, they're co- they was the coach built car based on an Opal Monza, wasn't it? It was based yeah. Yeah, on, on uh, That's that it, top it. trumps. Yep. And they there got, we go. The, the, the earlier ones oh. are quite delicate and pretty. They got a bit heavier handed with the bumpers later on. They did. They tried um, to and, they tried to bring the business back in uh, 2007 with and they rebodied a Holden V8 as well. They did. Yeah. yeah. And, and they named it after a an alcoholic drink that they make in the UK. Did you know that? It's called a vino. <laughs> no. Uh, a bitter, it's Jesus hard. Christ. Oh, sorry. The, the, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about the model, of the, the Holden model. The bitter vino. <laughs> the bitter vino. Everyone would love it, bitter vino. <laughs> Six pack. Um, <laughs> but, I, I, to I'm, be honest with you, go, going, delving into that wiki page, there's some, there's some wonderful old cars that we can talk about from Italy, from the UK, um, that... The, the, then they're never going to come back, but Ciata and things like that in uh, in Italy, Cisitalia. But look at that, the Bricklin. Oh, what look a car. that! Oh, I, do you know what? I only that's the one with the gold wing doors, isn't Go it? Go up a bit, yes. Neil. Up a bit. Up, up a, a bit. bit. Yeah. Up a bit. Up a bit. That's it. Yeah. Look at that. That's a cool yeah. thing. I, that I never. You could never I win it with someone the other week who, who was who was talking to me about the Bricklin and how it worked out. Effectively, it was about it was ten years before the DeLorean, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Look at that. Hearing aid beige. Yeah, that's a, that's <laughs> terrible. Isn't it? Well, I was. Got, um, I, knew, I knew. I knew you guys would come up with some very good answers for that. So I just uh, tried to remind myself of two instances of how car companies that were just central to my life don't exist anymore well, at least one particularly with my youngster my youngest child who was nearly 13 years old we were out the other day and he said what's that and i said that's a lancia and he went what's that wow oh amazing mm. no it's amazing no just said no never even heard of one before and it's just you know that that just shows you it makes me feel old actually yeah um and, and, I, and i think the other one that totally got me was the first time this this is pre-internet and pre, I don't, I don't really know about pre-war cars, but the first time that someone stumped me with a car that I'd never heard of, and Chris Cooper will know this chap, was Peter Haynes. When he turned up in something, and I went, what the hell's that? And he said, it's an Amel car. Oh, yes. And I'd never heard of an I'd yeah. never, ever heard of an Amel car French, before. Yeah. 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 Gorgeous little thing. Neil wouldn't yeah. like it. It's French. Yeah. But, but I, I was, I, I did just think to myself that when you start to investigate, there are lots of car companies that you've never heard of. But I think I think if you are under the age of twenty and you don't know much about cars, you would never have heard of a Lancia 
That is bizarre to me. That's yeah. right. We need to change that. Yeah. Uh, now we're moving on to uh, another important subject for the nerds of this world. What's your favourite wedge car? Uh, in other words, a car that looks like mm. it was styled in honour of a chunk of cheese. Well, not soft <laughs> cheese, because that would look like something else. Um, I'm going to go first to uh, Neil Clifford. Well, this week's book recommendation, which doesn't cost a million pounds, uh, is the new gorgeous Ferrari 512 and 365 Boxster Berlinetta book. And that is my favourite wedge car because, and I know where everyone will want to choose the Kuntash, but I think for me, this is, this is better. And I've, I've, um, I have experience of both, but look at that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I mean, is there a better designed car from a side angle than that. Is that a 365, that one? That one is a 365 because it's yeah. got six exhausts, yeah. yeah. But frankly, from, got the, the, from the side, they all look the same. There's, there, well, there's 365s, it, a slightly shorter chassis with a bit more power. Uh, it had a bit more has power, 380 versus does, 360, bit less torque. Doesn't a, doesn't a 365 have knockoff wheels, though? Um, yes, it did. But look at that. Yeah, it's pretty damn good. That is it's pretty different. damn it's good. Because we're so kind on this show, we're going to say that's pretty damn good, but it's obviously not the winner because Manish Pani is going to tell us it's the winner. Now, come on, what's the winner? Lamborghini Countach LP Quattrocento. That's the one. That's a, the four, the LP400. I mean, if, Neil, in terms of absolute beauty, you are absolutely right. Because I think out of the five of us, you are the total aesthete. You do aesthetic things for a living. But I think part of what is the most beautiful wedge car is also, you know, almost when is the first time you saw one? Did you have an asthma attack and all the rest of it? And um, I remember I had a sort of minor asthma attack in my gene, in my teens when I saw a Maserati Merak. Yeah. on the street and you wouldn't have thought a Merak would would look as beautiful in a way as a Bora but it's more wedgy because of the front you know it's just just got that little point yeah it's and, a pretty car oh it's so pretty and then and I've seen one or two Berliner boxes on the road and they just make you stop but when I was eight and I think I've shared this story already on on, on one of our earlier podcasts when I was eight I went to the motor fair in Oswald love that and um and I, you know I went with my 
stepmother with whom I was supposed to be bonding, and um, she was lovely. Crazy. Motor Fair was Birmingham. Sorry to interrupt you. Motor Fair was Birmingham, wasn't it? No, no, it was the Earl's Court Motor Fair in 1975. Okay, I thought it was Motor Fair. Uh, God, I remember that as if it was yesterday. So we, um, what was amazing about it, I mean, she, by the way, the, the Berlinetter Boxer was the only car she ever wanted to buy. And she said she only made two <laughs> big mistakes in her life. One was um, investing in a, in a practice with my father, and the second one was marrying my father. So they were they were two her two big mistakes. And otherwise, she really would have had a Berlinetta boxer. But we went to this, and um, at the Lamborghini stand, they had a beige Countach LP four hundred, and I was yeah just so far beyond mesmerized. And you know, other things of other things sort of bite you. Maserati comes in maybe. Very, very beautiful car, definitely the Berlinetta Boxer, Lamborghini Uraco, maybe, maybe Desmond Pantera. Yeah, all of these, they're all not wedgy enough. The, 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 and also, I mean, somebody could argue on this, even more beautiful than the LP400 was the Prototipo, which didn't have the, um, yeah. the airboxes. Yeah. And if you don't yeah. have the airboxes, then it's even more wedgy. But I think the original Countach. It just just something about that car absolutely to this day kills me yeah it's amazing i'm not i'm not i'm not sure i'm going to adjudicate ultimately on this i think uh and and i'm not sure who's winning just yet because the other two aren't dissimilar to me i'm going to answer now just in case they've chosen what i've chosen and they'll have to then re they'll have to re-research pretty bloody quickly Harsh, but fair. <laughs> okay uh there is a there's only one wedge for me and and it's it's not those two, because for me, the wedge is obviously referring to the front of the car and, and how it cleaves the air, that, that aggressive shape that's, you know, the, the triangle. Like but, but what goes on at the back of the car is really important. And sometimes the wedge is so dominant, the back of the car doesn't quite work. And I don't I think the 365-512BB sometimes around the rear arches isn't quite perfect for me, the way that it sits with the wheel. And there's a car that I think is absolute wedge perfection. It's the Series 1 Esprit. But just think, oh, it's I... absolutely... <laughs> yeah. I just think it's brilliant. And it's specifically the Series 1. They got messier later on. But if you see a white, for your... Sorry, uh, Spy Who Love Me Esprit on those Wolf Race wheels, it is, from the profile, that's the best wedge shape for me. Neil Clifford won't agree, but I just think it's sensational, and it's British, so I freaking love it. Um, it uh, cool, Chris honey. Cooper. Chris so Cooper, my favorite, your choice? Okay, so the question was, favourite wedge car, and my favourite wedge car was the Bond Bug. Oh. Okay. No, just kidding. Of course it wasn't. It was Lotus Esprit. <laughs> there is one. <laughs> I just um, saved for you all the reason to talk for two minutes. For all the reasons you said, it was because it, it's the one that that resonated, the one that felt sort of almost somehow accessible. It was British. It was Roger Moore. It was James Bond. It was that those Wolf Race wheels, that Series One shape on the key in Corsica, Barbara back, him, the helicopter chase we talked about, all those things. Roger Becker, just you know. There's a speech by some Norwegian football commentator that should have been cited to celebrate how all those Italians took a hell of a beating 
from that beautiful series one esprit. So yeah, favorite words because it was that time in our lives. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> come on. <laughs> if you haven't got a model, Chris, it's not included. You can take no. that. You can take well, the really Italian cut. stuff. See what I mean, you do, Chris. Hey, is, that one's I mean, not a wedge. Chris, Chris, I'm what you do is you... in North Wales. Listen to this. Listen, what you do is when you want one of these and you're married to my wife, you wait till your son turns five and you spend 250 quid on one and buy it for him. Yes. Right. Okay. okay. That's what you do. I just okay. had to raid his bedroom. I've just come back from holiday. I don't have a model on me, but I do have some hair clippers. Yeah. <laughs> um, just in case you need a trim anywhere. But I don't have a model of an Esprit Series 1. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. Which is yeah. a very, no, very, a very, very, very beautiful car. Esprit very. Series 1. Because um, it is the classic wedge. I love, and I was very, very lucky to have a very brief ride in Neil's beautiful uh, 512. And it is, I, I mean, I adore it and love it. Um, I'm not quite sure it's a wedge in the same way that a Series 1, but it's still, I mean, it's more beautiful. It's more stunning. It's a lovely, lovely. And it was, it was so wedge. much better. There it is. It, and it was <laughs> so much better as a thing than I could possibly have imagined. I can't do that. And I know where he lives now. It's a bloody wedge. It's a wedge. If you're, um, if, you're not, if you're not watching this on YouTube and you're listening to it, Neil Clifford just turned his camera around to point at the front of a 512BB. So he's done quite a good job. I, I, I don't... I, Neil, I'm with you on it. It's stunning. Yeah, see, I love it. the colour of cheese. Yeah. There is only one... There's only one way to describe Chris Cooper's reverse there is that it was, frankly, grovelling so he gets another go in the car. Yeah, uh, not, I'll do anything. Not... not not edifying for any of us to witness or hear, and I'm sorry for you viewers at home uh, if you can see the spit all over Neil Clifford's shoes. Um, Edward Lovett, um, what would you love in a wedge car? So, BMW M1. Yes, 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 yeah, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Give you that. Well, that's I think that's wedgy. there because I've, I've obviously had to write six cars knowing that most of them are going to be depending <laughs> on where I come on the list they're all going to be dropped off but I think BMW M1 pretty cool um mm. I have written down a little we talked about it a few weeks ago Aston Bulldog now you know that that's oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's such yeah, a cool thing good. doing 204 miles an hour uh, but I I and I'm going to come back to my actual choice um but the Stratos and the 308 GT4 you know that I just love those compact little packages and actually 100%. if you go and sit in a Stratos with the dash but both externally and internally that that car is not a disappointment that's a they are so cool yeah um but I've mentioned this car now for in the last 28 weeks I think four or five times in the podcast which does mean I will have to buy one one day. That is the car I'm going to turn up randomly to a dinner for us five. And it is an LP 400 Periscopio. Yes. Uh, it, it, it's not going to be yellow. It can't be red. I, I did email that company in Germany with that picture I showed you a few weeks ago of that gold one, which they sold. Um, but awesome. it'll have to be some mad color. But one yeah. day I will arrive in, in that car. It is amazing. Yeah. So that's three Bertones, a Giugiaro, okay. and I'm, afra I'm afraid to say that based on the, the, the democratic standards of the Collecting Addicts podcast, it is the Countach that wins. It, yeah, I'll give you that. 
I think we might need uh, to miss the uh, the titty out. Yes, I'm afraid to say there was another thing here that we'll discuss another time. I won't bore you with that. And we're going to move straight on to our two car garage. That this week is going to be read by Edward Lovett. Uh, cool. And if you need, a, you can go. You can go and make uh, four cups of tea and go for a lap of the block if you want to, because it's a long, long one before he's finished it. Uh, Edward, see if you can read it out. You've been following the market closely over the last few years, and although you've been super keen to buy a car or two, you've been nervous as the FOMO you've witnessed can't go on forever. Fear of missing out, for those who don't know what FOMO is. You're not a speculator, but you wouldn't forgive yourself if you bought at the top of the market before a circa 20% price drop comes. Your wife will probably be less forgiving. 2022 was a strong year for your firm and the Q1 bonus payment is waiting to be deployed and you want to make sure it's used on cars before it's put in to a family holiday home. You've got up to £400,000 to spend on one, two or three cars. You've been, <laughs> you're wanting cars, oh, you're wanting cars that have softened from their peak that are starting to look Bit like better buys. Classic cars aren't a thing for you, so it has to be something from the last 20 years. Any money left over can be used for the wife and kids uh, for half-term holidays in October. There we go. You charm. Well, just you, that's so complicated. That's I know. Just, <laughs> we're well, trying it, to it, it, create no, situations. People think like this. Do they? they do. No. I but think they do. But have you finished, Edward? Is that done? Uh, no, next chapter two. <laughs> <laughs> this is like Cyril on That's Life about a million years ago, isn't it? Oh, my God, remember that? Oh, that was oh weird. Cyril, yeah. Uh, right, now, Edward's, Edward's proposed it, uh, and I'm going to go first. I never go first in this one, so you I'm going to go first. first this time. You, you go, go first. Um, there's, there's a woman walking a cockapoo that's about to wheel on my wheel. Yeah. I'm not sure she knows <laughs> I'm in the car. Very strange. There we go. Um... Uh, here we go. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm going pretty modern, and I'm. I'm. I'm saying. I'm. I'm I want. I do want three cars from it because I've treated myself. I've worked bloody hard, and I've been waiting there. And the one car that I've looked at as a family car. There she goes. See, go behind me. There you go. That's the cockapoo just on the winkle. Uh, I think uh, I've been looking at G four hundred Ds, the G wagon with the diesel mm -hmm. engine, because they've been bloody expensive. But I think they're just about to soften a bit because I think there are a few on the market. Uh, and it's a great car. It is. I know they're ludicrous. They're tanks, but the diesel one doesn't make too much noise. It rides beautifully. That diesel engine is fantastic. It's got loads of range. You, you don't look like a gangster in it somehow. I'll spend the extra money on the on, on the clear glass that you can get sent over from Gratz. But there you go. G four hundred D. My next car is a bit random, but I think it's been again. It's been overpriced. It's come back a bit. There's not too many of them, but. This is me showing my age, and it's shameful. I wouldn't have chosen this 15 years ago. I'd have been horrified. It's the 992 Targa Heritage Edition that's in that deep purple oh, colour. Oh, oh, oh. I just think they're brilliant cars, the 992 Targas. I really do. And that Heritage Pack, with it's got this sort of cloth interior that's in a in a beige colour, really works for me. It you want it with the numbers on the side and everything, don't with you? With stickers. Uh, You're such uh, a no, chap. 
Without stickers. Without, without stickers. stickers. I've, got yeah. no, I've got no mm. breeding. I was I'm a goat roper from bloody Iraq, mate. It makes no difference whether you think I've got breeding or not. So I think <laughs> I think a dark a, that I love that burgundy colour as well. It just speaks to my inner old man. But you need a toy and you need to treat yourself, but you need to buy a car that you looked at. This is key to this. It's something you looked at and thought, I can't buy that now because I think it's going to go down a bit. And I think these have come down a bit and it doesn't, it does duplicate with the 992 a little bit. And I can get all of these for this, for this budget. It's a 488 Spider. I just think they're absolutely brilliant sports cars. They're yeah. coming back in price. I think 130, 140,000 pounds gets you one. Why you'd want a brand new thing for 350 grand when this thing is fast enough to scare you to death. I think they look great, 488. I just think it's a, it's a great value car. That's the one I've, I've been tracking for a long time, thinking, oh, when's the time to buy one of them? And I think the time might be ripe to put your hand in your pocket. So nothing exceptional there, but I think the kids are happy. Yeah, I, well done October, for embracing October, it, Chris. Man, Manish, yeah. people do think like this. And, and also, also, at half term, we're going to stay at home. We're going to bond. We're going to do a bit of reading. We're going to go on some long walks in the woods. We don't need to go away because I spunked it all on a 488 spider. <laughs> okay. Uh, Neil Clifford next, please. I'm buying the two best cars that have been made in the last 20 years. There isn't any debate about this. <laughs> so it's, and if you, if, if you disagree, then you're just wrong. It's nine, <laughs> nine, 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 seven GT3 RS. And you buy it in, um, if there's a Gen 2, there wasn't a Gen 2, it was just one, wasn't there? You buy it in no, the there group, was, you buy it. There gray, were two. There was, there was a Gen, Gen 1 and a Gen 2. Gen, Gen 2. Gen 2. No. Yeah, because you don't want the orange 3. or the black one. You want the 3.8. And you, you want it in the grey with the gold livery or the blue with the red livery. It was, uh, I know we can't mention Evo Car Magazine, but it was the car of Evo forever. Even better than the four litre, they said. I'm not sure you agree. I agree with that. But anyway, you can't get another car if you buy a four litre. So definitely the 3.8. And then you've got about 250 grand left if you cut a good deal on the 997. And That's you go a well and buy... bought 997. Yeah, it is. maybe you buy a left hooker. Buy a left hooker. Okay. Um, and then you go and buy a 458 speciale. It's gonna, it's gonna be worth four hundred grand in ten years' time. Last of the normally aspirated, better sounding than a four eight eight. Not as fast, but I'm not, I'm not a very good driver anyway. So I'll let Chris go ahead, three miles ahead of me in his four eight eight Spider. But I've got the cooler car. I've got. Can I? Can I just? Can, can I make one observation? That's the first time we've done this when Neil hasn't chosen a convertible. Yes, it is. Yeah, Ooh, but I, I couldn't get the apartment. But I just wanted the two best cars, and I think they are the two best cars of the last. You can, you know, you start thinking about Aston or McLaren or fucking whatever Maserati. <laughs> it's Porsche and Ferrari, right? They're the two king marks, and you buy the two best ones. Can, when we're okay, offline, but... Neil, can you email me where you think I could go and buy a? 997 RS Gen 2 and a 358 Speciale for 400 grand. You yeah, just well, got to yeah. bit them in the nuts. <laughs> Collectingcars.com. Maybe 500 grand. We've got, actually, we've got two nice ex Libyan cars coming up for sale soon. Um, uh, what are you, Chris, Chris Cooper, what are you going to go for? I had a 358 Speciale. 
But three, I reckon five, that's gonna, I reckon that was going to be four five is special. I reckon it was going to be three hundred fifty grand. No, no, that they're coming. They're softening. Are they? Softening. So I, I had that, and well, I actually had two versions. I had that and an Audi R8 V8 manual. Yeah. Okay. And then my other version, because I wasn't sure about the Speciale in terms of how much it would be, Audi R8 V8 manual, possibly convertible, because still quite a good car, and I can fit it. The later one is just smaller inside. I couldn't fit it. Mm. And then I had Bentley Brooklyn's Coupe. Love that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And a Mercedes SLS. That's a good car. Yes. Oh, yeah, interesting. Good interesting. You've blown all. You've blown all your money. You're about six hundred grand now. No, R8, Brentley Brooklyn's an SLS. That would be about four hundred. Fair, fair dues. Fair dues. Yeah. yeah. So and yeah and uh and it would be um standing in the uh, in the queue for fish and chips at uh, the watch out in St Moors. Yeah. SLS is a good choice, really. It's getting quite. They're going back up again now, but oh, I think gone it's up a lot. Yeah, yeah well, that's, that's why you haven't you haven't quite listened to my. Chris was very good, well behaved. He really listened to to what I uh, what I said. You know, identifying prices that were softening off. You've gone and bought an SLS. If that market turns over winter and it shits itself, you know, that's not going you're not anywhere. Be that's, happy that's, with yourself. You know, you might, you might have lost forty grand. Yeah, I might have done. Yeah, I know. And I know you'll be there. To, I know you'll be there to sympathise when that happens. Oh, yeah, I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Manish, what are you having? Like, I just found this a complete conundrum. I mean, I literally spent an hour reading and rereading it. And I was thinking, what kind of person gets a £400,000 bonus for activity from 2022 Q1? And I decided it was somebody who procured PPE for the government. They're literally the only people. <laughs> any money in 2021 so um so you've got this guy he uh doesn't really know anything about cars and just kind of has made loads of money from various masks and things and um he's whipping through collecting cars and piston heads and all the others and i think he falls in love with a ferrari pista hmm and I think you can buy one of those for just over £300,000. And I was having a little tiny look. I, I I guess you have to put your finger up in the air, but they don't look like they're going to lose any money to me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Chris is uh, rubbing his moustache and his beard. No, I, I think the piece is very interesting because I think it, it sort of, ex that explores the very territory that Edward was suggesting here. That, you know, when do you? A lot of people want a pista. When do you buy one? I mean, if you I bought would, one yeah. when they were, if you bought one when they were new and you had a late delivery, you were gutted. I mean, people were wriggling out of those as fast as they could. But now it's all settled down, and the next special car is is three hundred thousand pounds more. Suddenly, do you want a pista? We're going to see a run on pistas. We might well do because everyone yeah. that wants one of these XXs is going to say, "Well, I'll have the last one," and that drives prices up suddenly. That tends, that's what seems to be what happens. So I think the piece is an interesting subject, but might be eight months too early. That would be my thoughts, but there we go. Manish, what would I know? You do this for a living? I uh, just look at the catalogues. And um, <laughs> so the, the piece was great. And the other thing I looked at was something that you guys have talked to me about quite a lot, um, and it's the 612. Oh, I thought about that. And I now think... Yeah, I think you may well be. I was just look. They have been yeah. softening and softening and softening, 
And you look inside that car, you look under oh. the bonnet, you look at it from behind, you look at it from oh, behind. It's a big car now. Yeah. yeah, I think you really may be landing on your feet if you buy one of those for £80,000. You really yeah. may. And I think that combination, as I said, you know, just put them in a perspex box in the living room, stare at them a lot for a year, don't drive them. Uh, I think you could be laughing next year. That, that, that was my gut feeling. So that's it. Box of PPE in the back, just in case. And, uh, and you've made your bonus. So I, I like that. But, you know, you have to be collected from your tasteless uh, gym palace in the 612 just to offset the tastelessness of your gym palace. Um, Edward Lovett, what are you going for? Well, I'm going to go back to the wedge question. I'm going to buy a DeLorean. I'm going to go back to the future. So my 400 grand buys me something like a McLaren F1 or something like that. <laughs> and I've, I've, but by the way, this, this genuinely, sort of I, 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 I almost yes, played this game for, for fun manish and I, and I've done it my entire life as a car dealer, as a car lover. And, and I'm sure most of us do. And you, you go on to, auto trader, car and classic, collecting cars, whatever the website might be. And there are certain cars that are running away from you that you just can't get your head around and they're not coming back. And certain cars, they're just not coming back into our scope. Uh, a 993 Turbo S would be a, one of mm. those. You know, that that was a 250 grand car and now it's a 500,000 pound car. Um, but a 993 Turbo, they were sort of raising up. I think they probably have... 200 now. Yeah, they've set <laughs> <laughs> um Chris, an, an SLS. I've written that down here. That is a car at the moment that is still going up in value. And I think it may well do that, but I'm not an investor. And I for, for me personally, I can't just go and pay two hundred thousand pounds for an SLS because you know they weren't that easy to sell when they were 125 grand. You know, then these cars, when they're at a particular price, they don't fly off the showroom floors all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a 458 Speciale, uh, you know, that they've been pumped up over the last 12 months. I think it's a brilliant car. I, I, I see that as a market that will calm down a little bit. Um, and, and people get quite carried away with, friends and fads and what their mates are buying and they end up dumping that and hopping into something else um another car i track quite closely is 992 turbo s's ever since i drove one around the track at goodwood you know it's a phenomenal car but porsche have done a couple of price rises for the last year they've been over two hundred thousand pounds for a for a normal car but they are dropping down you you know they're 170 ish yeah for a good car but they're a gen two's about to come out so in a minute you'll be able to buy a one owner three thousand mile you know 2022 turbo s for 140,000 quid you know that's a huge amount of car um for, for the money by any modern standards but the cars i've written down here um that i think i'd like to buy is a ford gt because uh, i think i think it's a really imposing car I think you know you need your wits about which one, you know, which one, a ge like previous generation, mid two thousands. Yeah, so you can buy one of those for mid two hundred thousand pounds. A good wedge. Um, say that again. It's a good shape wedge as well. It is, yeah. Um, Alpine A one tens. I've never driven one. I'd quite like to drive one. There's about yeah. one hundred and seventy six on Auto Trader at the moment, and they're just about to go come under the forty gram mark. So. They're sort of they've they've been because they've 
kept launching new models that are sort of 65 grand new and 75 grand new it's held the bottom of the market up but they've sort of dropped back now so you might be able to buy one of those for late 30s and then i wrote down a 612 scalietti potentially but mm. i think i think i'd go with neil I, I think i'd put the last bit of money into a, a 993 turbo that's where the clever money is <laughs> so that's my pick very complicated but these are dilemmas i think mm. a lot of our watchers will be torturing themselves thinking shall i go now shall i buy it shall i wait shall i what what should i do what about if it goes down in value what about if i miss miss it before it goes up in value collecting options don't you you just you can get still scheme it constantly yeah. scheming. age seven thought about this <laughs> yeah but it happens at all price ranges as well you know I remember it does there, yeah yeah oh, do I buy a 306 GTI 6 now or are they going to dip at the end of the summer? I'll save myself 1,500 quid. We, we will, honestly, dear listener, we will do a slightly more ordinary one next week that we can that we'll discuss vehicles lower in the price range. We, do, we did um, one a couple of weeks ago. For, what was the budget, like 20 grand or 30 grand? And we were all struggling to know. There were so many great options for that mm. amount of money. Uh, music, because... Um, because we're all natural musicians, uh, so we'll get we'll get the stylish stuff out of the way first with Manish. Um, it is the summer holidays, and uh, there is no um, curfew on my son going to sleep, so he has discovered Breaking Bad. Oh, oh! So I I watched this, you know, obviously when the first run came with my wife, and I remember it was really the first time I've actually ever binged anything. Really, really, you know, Nat and I would watch it in the evening. Go, oh, we'll watch another episode. Oh, let's just yes, watch another. Exactly. Suddenly, it was two in the morning, and, and we're going, "What are we doing? What are we doing?" Um, and this piece of music, if you remember, at the end of series four, Mister White kills Gustavo Fring. <clears throat> That's a really big moment because um, in terms of sort of writing structure of the series, he's free. It's the first time in this entire four mm. series sort of box set at this point, he's free. He can do what he wants to do with his life. And um, he phones his wife and she's terrified. She's, she's worried, wondering what's gone on, what's gone on. There are lots and lots of news reports on the death of Gustavo Fring. And she sort of says to him, were you involved in some way? And he basically says, this is just, it's, it's so beautiful if you're a middle-aged man. He says, honey, I won. And it's just a great moment. Finally, he wins. And um, the piece of music that they used to see the show out with, I mean, I'd just completely forgotten it. Um, it's from an album called Rome, and it's uh, Danger Mouse, the producer, Nora Jones is on it, and the piece of music is called Black. And it is just unbelievable. It's all of us winning. Ooh, and I love yeah. that. But yeah, it's amazing. So how we watch, we we take different things from different sequences in films. I remember the music, but I'm also I'm still horrified by that image of when Fring walks out and half his face has been blown away. I remember watching it, thinking you, it, it, you see what you see in the right side of his face, and it pans round, and you just think, then he just keels over. He is the Walking Dead at that point. 
It's, 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 it's even more incredible. He walks out of that room. The shot is taken so that you see face left, okay? He does his tie up before yeah. he dies. That's what he does. He literally adjusts his tie. And then what you don't notice in the background is somebody you can see the right-hand side of his face, and it's a nurse. She's yeah. walking down the corridor, and she just goes, what, like that. Then the camera comes around. You realize the right-hand side of his face and body are missing, and he just collapses. It's mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Have you um, – I've started to watch Better Call Saul. I've never seen Breaking Bad. Oh, my God. It's Unbelievable. Better Call Saul. And everyone says better. that. And I somehow I started watching Better Call Saul, which I actually quite better like. Better Call Saul is, is actually, I think, even better. It's extraordinary. Even better. Where, yeah. where is that? Is that on Netflix? One of yeah. those. Uh, yeah, it's on Netflix. Because it's got, it's got Mike, who is just extraordinary in it, hasn't he? Mike, who's um, the, right. the guy in the parking kiosk. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris Cooper. So we talked a lot about the 90s. And I thought about this at the weekend. Um, Blur and Pulp have both reformed. Yeah. And are doing yeah. tours. And it kind of reminded me about Britpop. And there was an article on the BBC website I saw over the weekend, or my little app thing. And I hadn't realised it was the journalist Stuart McConey, who used to be on Radio 1 years and years ago, uh, who coined the term Britpop. And there's a reference in here to a letter he wrote in Select Magazine, which was a bit around when um, it's gone now, April 93. And he styled it as an angry letter to the Nirvana, Nirvana frontman, Kurt Cobain. And he said, enough is enough. Yanks go home and take your miserable grunge wear and your self-obsessed slacker bands with you. We don't want played. We want crimpling, glamour, wit and irony. It's time to bring on the home guard. These Kurt are the boys who will stop your little game. Suede, St. <laughs> Etienne, Pulp, Denim, Radiohead, the auteurs, bands of pride. And I just thought the reason why it probably hasn't stuck with Stuart McConey is he also insisted on calling Britpop the Crimple Nests. Anyone know that? I didn't know that. No. Nope. So he hasn't really got the credit he should have had. But I didn't. But those aren't the bands I've picked my music from this week because I was going to pick one from there. But coming home yesterday from Cornwall, I heard a track on my random thing on my car and made me think that's a fantastic song. Moving on up. From Primal Screen. Oh, that's nice. From Screamadelica, their first album, 1993. So still that sort of era. It was the first winner of the Mercury Prize, Mercury Award. Remember when Mercury 1 to 1 was a phone thing? It's now four generations later, EE. First winner of the Mercury Prize, Screamadelica, moving on up. It's just, it's got this wonderful gospel choir, anthemic, feel-good it's a positive, I found you, I found life, everything's going to be okay. When I was sort of sitting in traffic yesterday, coming back from Cornwall, everything was okay. I'll pick a Britpot one next week, but this week, because I was stuck in traffic and it made me feel good. And these songs are about making us enjoy driving. Right, Moving on up by Primal Scream is my winner this week. Um, can't argue with that, Neil Clifford. I was thinking of my learned colleague in uh, Spain, having his little week dancing holiday. And I was thinking, when was the first time I went to Spain? And I, I, when we all left school in 83, we all planned a trip and we saved up our money on the YTS scheme. And my mate had a Fiat Uno company car because he worked in the Fiat garage. 
and another mate had a 2.3 gear Mark Cortina. Yeah. 2.3 gear. So eight two, of us. Two-tone two or not? Two-tone or two tone, vinyl, vinyl roof. Vinyl yeah. roof in green. V6, yeah. Oh, fantastic car. So eight of us drove to the south of France, um, ended up in a campsite in the south of France called Cavalier, a little place called Cavalier. Never been I've back. I've been there. I've bloody yeah. been there. That's yeah. near, near Gasson, Ramachuel, isn't it? We put no, our tent it's, it's just around the corner from Saint Tropez. Just around the yeah, corner from Saint Tropez. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And we thought, oh, we're going to have an amazing two weeks in the south of France. And we went into the campsite bar, and it was like nine hundred francs for a bottle of beer. And we thought, fuck this, we're going to have to go to Spain. So we packed up the tents, didn't even <laughs> stay there a night, and drove through the night to Lorette de Mar. And we ended up at a campsite called Camping Canieles, which still exists if you Google it, Lorette de Mar. And we walked into the bar. This was the following day. And the first song, this is genuinely true, the first song that was playing in this little bar was a track called I Believe in Miracles by the Jackson Sisters. Yeah. Yes. And I kid you not, that is to me still the best dance track ever been written mid 70s 75 76 new york play the extended version it is magnificent and then i i danced to that song because you know portsmouth all you did is sort of dance for 15 years from that point in 1984 jackson sisters i believe in miracles brilliant love it Can you it down, Jackson sisters. Okay. I'd have danced to that. Hey, is it Nero's on the pier in South? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it became yeah. Fifth Avenue. Yeah. We want to know what's playing in Beefer, Chris. Do you know what? I can't really remember too much. But <laughs> what I can say is the sound systems in these nightclubs now, it's worth going there just to experience it. It's a physical experience. It's so loud. They it punches you in the solar plexus and yeah. they're quite formulaic. Um, and I can't do the 7 a.m. thing, but they, they build and build and they have the drop bit and then they ever wait. So there's this massive pause in the, in the crowd. They wait for it to hit. And when it hits, everyone just starts whooping with joy. I've got <laughs> no idea what the name of any of the music. And if you start shazamming it, you probably get thrown out. But it was um, it was deeply impressive. And, and, and they kept talking about this bloke called Fat Boy. Fat Boy's on. I'm like, who's fucking Fat Boy? But well, turns out he's got, Slim on the end of his name, where he had Fat Boy. He had Slim <laughs> on the end of his name, and we knew him. He just goes as Flat Boy now, but he had a Slim bit when when I was when yeah. I was younger. I had no idea what his name was until then. Um, but but, and I, I'll do mine quickly now. This did age me, so I had my headphones on on the Ryanair on the way out there. That was interesting. The police did meet us for the behaviour of some of the other guests on the plane when we landed in Ibiza, and um, I was listening. I like listening to tunes that remind me of summer holidays when I'm when I'm going to land. I like listening to stuff. So all these other boys, the boys I was with, younger than me, they're probably listening to their cool music and all their, the new stuff I know nothing about. But there's a summer tune that when I hear the bass line to it at the beginning of it, just think it makes me think it's summer. It's incredibly popular. It's pretty naff. But I think it's one of the great summer pop songs ever. And I think it's Wham's Club Tropicana. Oh, whenever I hear fantastic. It, whenever Amazing. I hear it, I just think it's a... And so these lads, what are you listening to? I went, do I have to admit that? And I've gone... Rams Trump, Club Tropicana, the most uncool thing, but everyone just goes, "What great tune!" I love yeah, it. It's a great. The tune. Netflix Netflix Wham documentary worth a watch. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, so yeah. there you go. Just that on cool I am. Uh, I haven't got an exciting story, but I, I'll add it onto the playlist. But it's uh, Blink One Eight Two, which is a very sort of young band. Yeah. But um, it's I Miss You, and it's a it's a it's a super good song. Great band. Good very slow, a bit of a tearjerker there, Ed. But if you feel it is, right, yeah, but it's not that slow. That one, it's good. It's a good song. But he's sitting okay. in the chair of reflection. In the um, yeah, he is. It's good. <laughs> um, I want to say a big thank you uh, to my fellow co-hosts, Edward Lovett, Neil Clifford, Chris Cooper, and Manish Pandey. And I'm going to say goodbye to this lovely car park in Bala and now head over to Blighton Park, where I'll continue driving the Tuttle 911K, which has exploded my eardrums for the most of today. I'm sorry if I wasn't very loud. Uh, probably would make the podcast better if I wasn't loud. Uh, but a huge thank you to my fellow guests, and we'll see you or hear from you next week. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.